Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. I'm Robbie. I'm very excited to record today because recently I got my first questions from kids who listen to the show. The question was, what are your pronouns? First of all, I really appreciate being asked this. My pronouns are they, them, or she, her. Some people who use multiple sets of pronouns would like you to alternate them, but it doesn't really matter to me very much. I might change my opinion on that someday, but this is what feels good right now. As a side note, if you want, you can also refer to me as Rob. It's a shorter version of Robbie, and I use both of them. I really appreciate being asked about my pronouns. It's really kind and thoughtful of y'all. Keep being thoughtful and kind like that, and you kids are going to change the world. One more order of business before we get on with the story. I need to thank Emily, my newest Patreon supporter. Thank you so much. If I get one more subscriber in the Polaris tier or a couple more in the $1 a month Starchild tier, I can use that money to pay for my monthly podcast hosting fees, and that's really exciting. Okay, now back to the story of David. This is going to be the last week about David for now, although the story does go on. But uh, I think we'll end after this week for now. Okay, you remember what happened last week. After Saul kept trying to kill David, usually with spears, and Jonathan secretly met up with him to tell him he should leave, now David's on the run. Saul wants David dead, David's been told he'll be king, and now he's in exile with nothing at all except except his fearsome and fantastic reputation. That's not nothing, to be sure. David went to a priest and asked for food, and the priest asked, Why are you here all on your own? And he said, oh, you know me, I'm always off on missions for King Saul, who trusts me with important things, and to whom I am unfalteringly loyal. Well, if it's a secret mission, I'm delighted to help you. So the priest gave David some bread, and David scarfed it down, and then he needed what every hero needs when they strike out on an adventure. He's not planning to face anyone with just his sling and staff anymore. You wouldn't happen to have a sword I could use for my top-secret special holy mission, would you? And the priest said, well, we do happen to have the sword of Goliath. It's been here ever since you killed him. It's the only one we have, but it's dangerous to go alone. Better take this one. And David replies, there's not another sword like it anywhere. It'll do fine. Then he thought he'd go hang out in the Philistine city of Gath. Only he forgot that he's famous for killing Philistines. Someone recognizes him, and he's like, Hey, isn't that David, the one from the song that goes, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has tens of thousands of, you know, us? And David hears that, and he realizes his plan to hide out in Gath isn't going to work like he wanted. So he acts like a crazy man. He scribbles all over the gate, and he starts drooling everywhere, and he messes up his hair. And when they bring him to the king, King Achish, like, hey, this is David, who's killing people. He's like, uh, why did you bring this man to me? He's clearly insane. Are we having a shortage of crazy people that I didn't know about? You have to start importing them? So David leaves, and he wanders around for a bit. He hides in caves. He hides in a forest like Robin Hood, and a bunch of men follow him. Soon he has, like, 600 men with him. It's all these people who are dissatisfied or angry or afraid or maybe they don't like Saul or they owe too much in taxes, and they all are like, well, we'll stick with David, because something's going to happen here. So he's got like 600 people with him, and it makes him pretty easy to track. So Saul has been sending people to find out information, and he's sitting in his yard, and he's holding his spear. He always has his spear, and he's yelling at people, nobody told me my own son has sworn a covenant with David. Nobody cares about me. You are all hoping David becomes king and makes you rich and you want him to kill me. And for a while, no one says anything because they don't want to be the direct target of Saul's anger. But this guy named Doeg, 
Doeg? Doug? I don't know. We'll call him Doug. Doug, who's from Edom, not Israel, he was there when the priest helped David, and he saw all this, and so he's like, uh, Saul, actually, I saw that this priest helped David, and I'm helping you by telling you that this priest helped David. So now Saul has something to do with all this anger. So he gathers the priest and everyone in the priest family, his dad, uncles, cousins, brothers, children, and he tells his men to kill all of them for helping his enemy, David. There were like dozens of them. And then there was a whole city of people that they were going to attack besides that. Now, remember, Saul really believes David wants to kill him, even though the only one who's attempted to kill the other is Saul. That's what we often call projection. But the priests are the servants of God, even though Saul commanded his soldiers to kill those people, none of Saul's men will hurt them. So he turns to Doug, the tattletale from Edom, and he does kill all of them. And only one of the men escapes, and he runs to David for help. And David says, hey, the guy who's trying to kill you is trying to kill me. So if you stick with me, I'll protect you. And so David and his merry men keep collecting people who are threatened by Saul or otherwise unhappy with their lives. Then Saul thinks he's got David and his men cornered in some city, but they all escape. Saul keeps hunting him, and Saul can't find him. Jonathan, however, could find David. He snuck out to see him and encouraged him. He said, don't be afraid. God won't let my dad kill you. You'll be the king yourself someday, and I'll be your right-hand man. And they made another oath to each other, which brings the total oath count up to three, if you've been keeping track at home. And then Jonathan went back home. Now, Saul's really busy, because while he's been hunting David in the wilderness, the Philistines have been attacking his people, so he had to take a little detour. And on his way back home, he had to go fight the Philistines, and on his way back home from after fighting them, he picks up David's trail again. And one night, he goes to sleep in this cave. What he doesn't know is further back in the very same cave, David and his men are spending the night. And they, they go out to the front of the cave, and they see Saul. They are sleeping. And Saul's sleeping pretty hard. He doesn't hear them. And the men are like, God has put Saul right here where it is easy for you to kill him. You should kill him. Then he'll stop hunting us. You know, we'd all be much happier. And David is like, um, no, God made this man king. I'm not going to kill him. Someone else is going to have it. God's going to have to do it. I'm not going to kill him. But uh, he does He does decide to sneak forward. And he cuts a little bit off of Saul's robe. Just a little bit of fabric off the edge of the robe. And the next day, Saul gets up and leaves the cave. And then David comes out. And Saul's like, David, you are trying to kill me. I must kill you. You know. And David's like, um. Look, I could have killed you. He shows him the piece of the robe he cut. I snuck up and I cut this off your robe to show you I could have killed you, but I didn't. And my men were all like, you should kill him. But I refused. So why are you trying to kill me? I'm just some nobody from Judah who never did anything to you. You've dedicated all this time to hunting me. And so Saul feels really guilty and he goes home. But later he starts chasing him again. The story is actually repeated in the Bible, is repeated or it happens again, very similarly. So I wonder if it's like supposed to be an alternate version of the story. The big difference is the second time this happened, what David takes is Saul's spear. And honestly, it is it's about time that somebody took that away because Saul clearly cannot be trusted to have a spear all the time. But um, in that story, he does, unfortunately, he hands it back. He just uses it as his proof. I'm like, take the spear from Saul. Keeps trying to murder people with it. It's not acceptable. Anyway, so David has given this speech to Saul, possibly twice. And Saul's gone home after telling David he knows God will make David king and gave, David will be great at being king. 
But David knows that Saul is going to start hunting him again at some point. He doesn't trust him. So David goes back to Gath with his large group of men and then the two newest wives he's married. We, meanwhile, Saul makes David's first wife, Michael, get married to someone else. People sometimes married a lot of people in the Bible. Mostly, well, it's men. They, the ones in power, they often will have like lots of wives. So David's like got all these wives. Now he's only got like two though. Anyway, he asks the king, David asks King Achish for permission to live in Gath. By now, everyone knows that Saul keeps fighting with David, and the king is like, I've got this hero on my side. He hates Saul because Saul keeps trying to kill him. He doesn't know that David could have killed Saul by now if David wanted to. But he's like, this is great. I've got this hero with me, and I love him. So, so David and his men, they go and they raid Amalekite towns while they're staying near Gath, near the Philistine town. And they come back with flocks of sheep and herds of cow, cows, and, and there's clothes and there's gold. And Akish is always like, hey, where'd you raid today? Like, like it's this conversation they have. Like, you know, did you have a good day at work? Who did you attack today? And David always lies and tell him he names some town in Israel. And then I think he probably gives Akish some of the money and cattle and stuff. So Akish thinks, wow, every day David goes out and attacks some city in Israel. They're going to hate him by now. The more they hate him, the more loyal he'll be to me. So he, if he's, he really loves David. Uh, and soon there's about to be this big fight. All the armies from the five Philistine cities are gathering together to attack Israel. Akish tells David, this is so exciting. You'll finally get a chance to fight that horrible King Saul who you hate. And now you remember, David doesn't want to hurt Saul. But he tells Akish, fantastic, you'll get a chance to see how awesome I am for yourself. But Akish isn't the only king. There's like five different cities in the Philistine um, nation, if it's really a nation, I'm not sure. Um, there's like five cities and, and they each have a king. And the other four kings and all the commanders of the army are angry at Akish. They're like, why would you bring someone from Israel to attack Israel. As soon as we get in the fight, he is going to start having his men stab us in the back. This is a terrible idea. You can't let him fight with us. And they're like, isn't this David from the song? Saul has killed his thousands, but David tens of thousands? And Achish is like, um, okay, guys, I, I won't. I'll, I'll talk to him. I'll talk to him. So he goes back to David and he says, I'm really sorry, David. I trust you. I love you. I know you're a great guy and you're on my team. But politics, you know, those guys don't trust you. And I have to send you home. I'm really, really sorry. I know you were looking forward to fighting this battle. And David's like, he keeps playing the part. Why are you doing this to me? What have I done wrong? Why won't you let me fight with you? And Akish is like, it's not me. I trust you. I promise. But you still have to go. First thing tomorrow before you fight, you have to go. I'm sorry. So there was a big battle and David wasn't there. But Saul and Jonathan were. Uh, they were, obviously, they were with the Israelites. Jonathan and several of Saul's other sons were killed on the battlefield. And then when Saul was afraid the Philistines were about to capture him and torture him before they killed him, he was hurt. He was really injured and he didn't want to be captured by the Philistines. So he said, um... Hey, you, you kill me. You stab me with the sword right here and I'll die. And they were like, no, I'm near the king. I'm not going to stab you. So he couldn't get anyone to do it. So he just, he fell on his own sword and he died. Three days later, a man finds David. And this man is like, he's like in these torn up, dirty clothes. He's, he says he 
was from the battle and he escaped from the Israelites. And he thinks he's got really good news for David. He's like, hey, my lord David, your enemy Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. And David's like, how do you know? And I think he does not want to believe this. And the man says, I know, because I was there. In fact, Saul saw me and told me, I'm dying. Please finish me off so the Philistines don't get me. And I knew he wasn't going to live long, so I killed him. And I brought his crown here to you. And David cried and ripped his clothes and asked the man, Why weren't you afraid to hurt the one God had made king? You're guilty and you'll be responsible for your own death. And then Saul had his servants kill the man because he said he'd killed the king. If you're confused because I just told you that Saul fell on his own sword, me too. I think this guy's lying because he thinks David is going to reward him. Since everyone assumed David wanted to kill King Saul. Then David sings a lament for Saul and Jonathan. And parts of it go a little like this. Jonathan's bow never ran away and Saul's sword never missed its mark. Saul and Jonathan were not parted from each other in life or in death. They were faster than eagles and stronger than lions. Jonathan, I grieve for you. Your friendship was dear to me. Your love for me was more wonderful than the love of any woman. Only I think it sounded more poetic in Hebrew how it was written. And later he has the whole thing written down in a book so people could praise Jonathan and his love for all the generations to come. Sometime later, David asked God, should I go to Judah? And God said, go. Judah was a specific tribe in Israel and they made David the king of Judah. Then, So like Israel split up. Because one of Saul's sons, his name was Ishbosheth. We haven't really heard about him yet, but he's like the oldest one who survived. So he became the king of Israel. And Israel and Judah were fighting, and there was a lot of drama and intrigue and an actual war between the two groups. And over the years, like seven or so years, I think, David's side got stronger while the remainder of Saul's household grew weaker. Well, one day... Like I said, it's been years. Some men snuck into the king of Israel's house. They snuck into Ishbosheth's house and they killed him and they cut off his head and they carried it to David and they were like, Hey, we killed the son of Saul who was your enemy. I wanted to kill you. The Lord has taken revenge for you. You say God did that, huh? Bold claim. Do you think David rewarded them? Nope. David said, when the person told me I killed Saul, he thought he brought good news and I had him killed. And now you've killed a good man who was sleeping in his own bed. So David's men killed those two. Then the people of Israel came to David, who was already the king of Judah. And they said, even when Saul was the king, you led us into battle and you led us back home safely. God looked at you when you were a shepherd as a boy and said, you'd be the shepherd of our people. So they made him the king of Israel. He was 30 years old when he became king of Israel, reuniting Israel and Judah, and he was the king for 40 years. There's a lot that happens after David becomes king, and he did some good things and he did some bad things. But I will only tell you one more little story. Do you remember that David and Jonathan promised to be friends forever and that their children would be friends forever? Well, David didn't forget the promise he'd made, even though he was fighting with you know, Jonathan's relatives technically for a really long time. So he went looking for anyone of Jonathan's house that was still alive that he could take care of. Now, on the day Jonathan died, years before this, when they got the news, his family ran away because they were afraid. And in the mayhem, there was a servant who took care of the children, and she was carrying Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. You say Mephibosheth? It's kind of fun to say. Anyway, she was carrying him and she dropped Mephibosheth and she hurt his, and he hurt his feet and he couldn't walk. 
so when David sent out messengers looking for Jonathan's family, he found Mephibosheth. That's a tongue twister. He found Mephibosheth, who was an adult by now, because it had been a while. And Mephibosheth and his household and his servants all came to live with David. And David gave his family the, the inheritance of money and land that would have gone to Jonathan. And Mephibosheth always ate dinner at David's table with his family, like he was one of David's own children. So David fulfilled the promise he and Jonathan had made to each other. I should tell you, there's a whole lot I'm leaving out of this story to try to make an interesting story I can tell in one podcast episode. It's all in the end of the first book of Samuel and the beginning of the second book of Samuel. If you're really interested in ancient intrigue and battles and stuff, you can look it up. The part of the story that I told today started in the 21st chapter of 1 Samuel. And if you're confused about what are the books of the Bible, what is the Bible, when you say First Samuel, what are you even talking about? I thought it was all the Bible. I actually am going to have an educational podcast next week out on Thursday in addition to a short story podcast that is going to explain some of this stuff. Okay, also, here's the thing I want to discuss. You may be curious, what is fact and fiction here in this story? Is there any fact to it at all? Because like Israelites were a real people. So do we have any historical evidence? Well, according to my brief voyage into Wikipedia, well, first I just Googled and I was finding all these Bible sites saying, oh, there's definitely proof that there was a King David. And, um, when, on Wikipedia, it says there are some references in ancient documents, you know, inscriptions on stone, that some people think suggest there was a king of Judah named David. But people aren't even positive that the name written there is David. So, you know, people kind of are arguing, do they prove there was a David? Do they prove there, do they not prove there was a David? You couldn't prove that there was no David, because you can't prove a negative. But anyway... So um, beyond some evidence that maybe there was a David, we just know that these are stories people told each other. And now I've told them to you today because that's what we do with stories. Uh, now, here's an interesting tidbit. Christians claim that Jesus Christ, who you may have heard of as the most important person in Christianity, like the, the his, Christianity is centered on him. That's why it's called Christianity with Christ. Anyway, so Christians claim that Jesus was a descendant of David, so they use that claim to support their other claims about Jesus, like that Jesus is actually the real king of the Jewish people. So that's kind of an interesting thing. The One of the ways people have used, one of the things people have done with this story. Anyway, as I said, there's actually a whole lot more about David in the Bible, but we're going to move on for now. I hope you've enjoyed the story of David and his rise from teenage shepherd boy to the king of Judah and Israel. So as I said, next week I'll be doing a different kind of episode with a little church history tossed in, an educational episode, um, because the Bible has really a really messy history, and I'm just only going to be able to get into it, but it's not some book that was all written by one person and neatly packaged, and there it is, there's the Bible. People had to decide things, so uh, I'll, I'll explain that next week. If that doesn't interest you, you can skip it. I know this is a story podcast, and I don't want to let my kids down, so I will put out a second episode next week, two episodes on Thursday probably, and it'll probably be like shorter than usual with a Bible story that I chose in honor of Halloween, which is coming up. And then the next week on Halloween, I'll have a special episode for that. So be sure to come back for those next week and the week after. 
Thank you so much for listening to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. Remember, you can support me on Patreon. I've nearly got enough to pay my podcast hosting fees. Our theme music is Wholesome by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution. Until next time, shine on, Star Child. <laughs>